lot of people look at summer as a time of relaxation and kicking back. So this morning I felt it was my obligation to challenge us a little as a church. And so it's a little different uh, vein of thought that I've been thinking through and I'm, I'm hoping that you'll appreciate that. This kind of was triggered, I was reading an article in a magazine and this article said, for the last 40 years, statistics haven't changed in this area. Four out of five Americans believe that there's life after death. Four out of five. And seven out of 10 say that they pray regularly every day. The statistics been the same for the last 40 years. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good for America. That's a pretty good stat. But that was followed by this stat, that the number of Protestants, people that would be a more core foundational belief, um, like we would believe in stuff, in the last 10 years has dropped from two-thirds to only one-half. I thought, well, how can that be? If seven out of 10 Americans are praying, I thought, hmm, and they believe there's life after death, so they're probably seeking God. How can the numbers drop? Those that now have dropped all religious affiliations in the last 10 years dropped 20%. I thought, well, how can that be? How can that be? 40% claim to attend church every week. You know what the real number is? 25% by statistics. 25%. And what's really bothersome to me a little bit is the average age of the churchgoer now is five years older than the general population. That means new people aren't embracing Christ, being Christ followers. And to me, that was kind of very disturbing because when I think about that, if we're all getting older and we're all dying off, um, the next generation, what's the future look like? What's this look like for us with these type of stats? So I came up with this premise this morning I want to talk about that the church is failing in its primary mission. The church is failing in its primary mission. And I'm going to make this kind of pretty straight this morning if I can. Our primary mission is telling and building. Telling and building. We have a two-part mission. Pretty straightforward. I say because of these statistics and what this looks like in our world that the church as a whole, remember the church is not just the light at Mission Viejo, but the church worldwide, all of those that are claiming Christ and following him is failing in its mission. In other words, Christianity is not being very contagious to people. They're not saying, I got to have that. I got to have that. And to me, that's an indictment on our church. Now, I want to talk a little bit about it, and I'm going to put out a few kind of just base um, thoughts for a little bit to build my uh, premise on, if you will. Um, and I think the first thing we need to talk about is, is why do we need to share our faith and belief? Because at the core of everything, I've kind of discovered that if you don't have a intrinsic core belief system that you really believe in, you're not motivated to do much. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. I need to start with this disclaimer a little bit. Um, and that is that when I say our, our, our belief system isn't driving us, I think we need to come to a common understanding. You need to come to a common understanding of what do you really believe? What do you really believe? 
it's kind of funny because in the church I was raised in, you kind of had to um, memorize your doctrine. What do you really believe? So for each of us, before we can share and have an understanding, I think we need to know what we really believe. So if I was to ask across there, there'd probably be a lot of opinions of what you really believe. So I did a, just a little looking up. A core belief would be is we believe there's one true God. One true God. Now think about your belief system. One true God. The latest statistics is 70% of Americans believe that there are multiple ways to get to heaven now. What they were raised with, they said maybe isn't the only way. 70%. A core belief. I believe in one true God. Jehovah. I believe that the Bible is God's word. Anything else that's said is opinion. It's great you have an opinion. Keep it to yourself. No, I'm glad you have an opinion. <laughs> My belief system says what God's word, the Bible is God's word, and it is infallible. It directs my life. It is all in all to me. It is, it is the absolute truth line. I believe in one true God. I believe in the scriptures. I believe there's one way to heaven, Jesus Christ. No other way. One way to have relationship with God is through Christ. Do you know what you believe? I went to the Lights website. You should look at it. You know, you come to the light at Mission Vallejo, you might want to look at what you believe. <laughs> at least what we believe here at the church. I think the first point that we need to start at is with this disclaimer of say, you yourself need to understand what your belief system is. What really drives you? What do you really believe? Um, so... I want to talk a little bit about this. A couple simple background points is, is when we talk about this idea of why do I need to share our faith, I want to just put two background things out here as God told us to. If you believe God's word is the inspired word of God, God told us to. Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That seems pretty straightforward to me. Just go and get it done, okay? In, Mark, or in Matthew 29, 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And in Proverbs 11.30, it says, The fruit of righteousness is a true tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. One thing you're going to figure out in a hurry about God, God is a person who wanted relationship with us each and every person. It's an amazing thought. God wants relationship with you. In our Bible study, um, as weird as it may seem, they wanted to do a, a study on the Old Testament survey. Survey, that means I don't have to get in too much depth or try to explain it all, but survey level, right? But in doing this whole thing, I... For the first time really in my life, I came to realize this whole Old Testament was about God wanting relationship with his people Israel. Wanting relationship with his people Israel. And he knew that wouldn't work out too well. And all of these um, predictions of the future were to Christ. And why were they pointing to Christ? Because God still wanted relationship with people. I love this about God. 
He wants relationship with us more than we want relationship with him. How many of you think, I committed my life to Christ? I did that. You know, unless God came to you, there would be no life. If God hadn't revealed himself through the word and how he is, you would have nothing. It's an incredible thought. God, there's, a, there's a continuum about God from the Old Testament all the way through the New. You'll see it over and over again. He is trying to redeem his people. He's trying to have relationship. Every time they, they mess up big time, who comes and redeems them? He says, call on the name of the Lord and I'll come and help you. Every time Israel would like tank, get called off into captivity, we read this so many times in the Old Testament. I said, survey's easy in there, you know. They mess up, get penalized. They go, oh, I messed up. God help me. God comes and helps them. The whole, the whole Testament. And God keeps coming back. Why? Because he is a God of relationship. I can't, even, I can't even comprehend how the God who created all the things we see in creation, who is way beyond anything we can even imagine and stuff, knows me personally and wants relationship with me. It's an incredible thought. If you dwell on that a little bit, it just kind of, it kind of messes around with you. So God is a God of relationship. And so God told us to go because he wants relationship with, it, with all mankind. The second reason I think why we need to do things, and I look at this from a business sense, but our customer need us. Our customers need us. And I know there's an internal drive that, that, that comes about, but this is a single-threaded, if you will, business opportunity. Do you realize if you don't reach your family, speak to your family or your friends, there's no backup plan. As a matter of fact, when I did my notes, I normally like say, okay, leave two or three slots here for other points to talk about. On this one, I only have one. If you don't get it done, no one gets it done. So you're our customer, people, those that don't know Christ, have one, really one real chance to really know about God. You know who that is? It's you. That's why summer is a time of relaxation, but it's not a time for laziness. It's not a time for laziness. It's a, because God is constantly, we have some friends back in Michigan and they're German, and I call them a very hard-headed type people. When they set their mind to something, it is incredible. I just quit, I'm a quitter. I, I, I easily admit that to all of you. When they say, we're going for a run, I know they're as tired and dying as I am. I just quit. Tim knows this, right? Rita, we ran that half marathon. Rita passed me in the first half mile going, you're going to be okay, Bob? <laughs> I'm quitting. I was walking, wasn't I, Rita, when you went by? She swatted me. Come on. <laughs> it was a light swat. But, uh, but I'm, some people are... You know, when they dig in, they just keep going and going and going. That's the way God is. God won't give up on you. Other people do. You give up on yourself. But God is this pursuer, pursuer, pursuer. He's ever after you. Because why? Because in a sense, we're his customer. He wants us to be his people. We need to be that way with our friends and relatives. 
We need to be persistent. We need to keep after it. There is no other backup plan. You know, I think because all of us kind of just go to church and probably have been involved in it a long time, I've been in the church culture my whole life. And I know there's always, what's a good way to say this, progressive, new ideas, new ways to do things. And, and that's all kind of cool. I mean, I enjoy that. I don't think there's any method that's sacred. You know, if we don't sing the song this way or if the speaker doesn't speak this way or people don't act this way, it's bad. I believe the message is sacred. The word that God wants relationship and that relationship comes through Christ, what we believe, I believe that's sacred. I don't be the, believe the methods are. But somehow we get wrapped up in methods and we think that somehow those methods are going to help save people. The bottom line is your words and your life save people. Isn't that incredible? When I say saved, and, and I'm going to put this in context, you don't save anyone, but that reflection of Christ is what draws them to God. What you say and what you do draws people to Christ. I wish there was a better way. I wish, I wish it wasn't that way. Do you ever wish that? Do you ever think, I wish God would just come down and just save the whole world and we'd all be happy, la, la, la. But it's not the way he works. He's ordained a plan that requires our intervention through that. So it's twofold. God told us to win the lost, and our customers need us. We got a great product. Our customers need us. It can't be generic. You can't blow this off and say, well, I just go to the church. Somebody else will get it done. That's why this is a kind of a tougher message because it's summer. I should be preaching barbecue in two weeks. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit this morning, which is the crux of what I want to talk about a little bit, is, and I only have two key points here that I want to talk through this morning, is what makes me share? What makes me share? And I've asked this a lot of times because I always go, I'm, I'm fascinated by human nature. What motivates you? What makes you go to work every day? What makes you do what you do? What, what is the motivational level? And I'm always inspired by this because when I coached little kids in um, basketball back in Michigan, I don't know how you know how little kids are, but when they, you say, okay, we're going to do a little running. And I, it wasn't so much to get them in condition because, you know, little kids aren't really out of shape. But it was just the concept of discipline in their life. And they'd run one time down the gym and they'd go like, oh, Coach Bob, I'm dying down here. I'm I can't take another step. And I'd go down to the other end and I'd put a dollar bill down and go, the first one who gets here gets the dollar bill. Boom! Why? Motivation. Motivation. The problem is if I put a dollar down there and I lined all you guys up, you'd be like, that's a buck. <laughs> I'd probably have to go like a $100 bill. Some of you would respond. <laughs> I know how did y'all look there and go, I can take all those guys. <laughs> Honey, wipe out that one guy. He looks dangerous. <laughs> 
So this idea of, of what really motivates us, um, and again, it's, it's, you kind of see this all through life a little bit. Having been in youth ministry for so many years, I've noticed it with kids. Um, when they get there, it's very like during graduation time, people always ask, well, what are you going to do now? What do you want to be? You know, what, what do you want to do? And, you know, kids, they have no clue. At 18, you have no clue. So they feel obligated, so they make something up. You know, I'm going to be a brain surgeon, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice 2.3 grade point average. Uh, <laughs> University of Michigan's itching for people like you. No, uh, <laughs> that was my youth pastor part coming out of me. Sorry there for a minute. <laughs> but you ask them, and, and they really have no clue. They don't really, they, they, they don't really lock in. And you'll see for a while, sometimes they wander. As a matter of fact, you know, it's a four-year degree to get your bachelor's. I mean, the average, about 80% now take five years. You know why that is? After two years, they go, I'll never be a brain surgeon. I'm thinking Walmart greeter. Two more years, I got that bad boy. Uh, <laughs> right? Because they don't know what they want to do. So they wander. They wander. But what I've discovered is, eventually, almost all kids, they'll find the niche in life that hits them. And you can tell when they hit that niche. You know how? They start showing up to wherever they're working on time. They work all day long. They work after. You know what they talk about? What they're doing. All of a sudden you go, and when they hit that niche and it becomes internal and they get motivated, man, it's like a whole light bulb comes on within them. Here's what I'm going to propose this morning. And I, a little of this is from um, the Freedom um, message teaching a little bit that has been going on but inside of us spiritually we need to get an internal motivation to reach the lost to do what tell and build build great Christians tell them and build their lives so I look at this under this internal motivation that we need within us and I thought well how do I get that and because most of us are normal people, we start thinking of all these ideas that are going to motivate us. We start going, yeah, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. Distrust me. My wife's been gone a week. When she left, she's going to be gone two weeks to help my son move. We had this little agreement. We're all just going to eat good food for two weeks. What are you laughing for? You know the problem already, don't you? So when I took her to the airport, I said, let's just have one last meal. Taco Cabana. Very healthy meal down in Albuquerque on the way to the airport. When I came back, Pat and I are working on this project, and what do you think they do? They bring in pizza. Might as well have a piece or two, three, four. And we'll top that off with an ice cream sandwich. Now, you guys aren't going to squeal, right? Because Twyla doesn't know any of this right now. <laughs> she's back in Michigan. She's probably, knowing her, she's one of those German-type people. She's probably towing the line. Bob has not towed the line for a full week. So now I'm thinking, this week I double up, right? This is, this is what I'm thinking today. 
As a matter of fact, I'm going to, this afternoon, I think I'll do all the laundry and I'm going to clean the house so it's ready. And this whole week I'm not eating. I'm going to work out twice a day. That's what I thought. Shabbos Center opens at 5.30. I thought I can go down there at 5.30 before work and then I can work out after work in the evening. <laughs> Just saying it out loud. <laughs> I don't even know why I say that. <laughs> I'm only kidding myself, right? It's, it's not going to happen. You know that, right? <laughs> it's not, because for some reason I haven't quite inherited this internal motivation. So this is, this is what I believe spiritually happens in our lives is that when we don't have an internal motivation to do it. So I thought, well, how does this come about? And I know it's not by our own willpower. So since I knew that, I thought, let's, let's look at this a, a little bit. And I got to thinking about what Jesus had said. And the disciples were talking to him. And he said, I must go to my Father so that the Holy Spirit will come. So I thought about that for a couple minutes. Jesus had to leave. Now, now, just think about possibilities. I don't know how your mind works. The disciples were raised through the whole Old Testament. That's what they knew. And they knew Messiah was going to come and set up an earthly kingdom. I think they were thinking, yeah, Jesus is going to be here with us from here on out. Right? He's going to be here on earth. That's the way. This is the coming Messiah. We know he's the Messiah. He's going to stay here on earth. We're setting up our kingdom. Let's roll. Because remember, the disciples always said, hey, who's going to be on your right and left hand? You know, who's going to be the greatest? They're thinking all of this stuff is, is going to happen right now. That's what's going through their mind. And then Jesus lays this on them. I must go away. As a matter of fact, in the King James, I like it. It's, um, it's expedient that I go away. In other words, I got to get this done quick. Why? so that the Holy Spirit will come. I thought, wow, what a, what a change in thinking. We're going to set up a kingdom right here on earth. We're going to rock and roll with you and rule and beat up all these Jews and Romans, and we're going to take care of business. To, no, I'm going away because I have to because you need the Holy Spirit in your life. Hmm. This Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes along beside us to help us. I wonder why I need help. I just told you a little story. I'm a pretty weak-minded person. Why do I need help? Because I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. What can I do? I can't tell them, and I can't disciple them. I can't do that. I need the Holy Spirit in me. I need something greater inside of me to motivate me to, do, to bring about what God wants in our lives. Remember this, um, this statement in Acts uh, 1.8, the first part of it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I have got to go away. Why do I got to go away? Because you can't do anything by yourself. You need an internal motivation to motivate you. That's the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he gives you power. He gives you power. That word is dunamos or dynamite. He gives you power to bring about something. 
And what's he bring you power to bring about? In the last part of that same verse, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Did you catch that? Internal motivation is brought about in your life when you start to understand that it's the Holy Spirit that is driving you from the inside and it starts to come out of your life. Do you understand? Oh, the power of this is awesome, guys. If you, can, if you can ever grasp something in your spiritual life, and I know this is summer and I know it's relaxing, but if you can ever grasp this in your life, you cannot will yourself to witness. You cannot will yourself to be a better person. That is only a representation of what is going on inside your life. When you start to realize that it's the Holy Spirit inside of your life, things happen in your life. It's what makes life great, by the way. If, if you haven't really experienced it, if you think life's dead and dull and all that kind of stuff, start listening to the Holy Spirit in your life. You know why? Because it's about exactly opposite of everything you want to do and get done. I don't like that person at all at work. You know what the Holy Spirit says? Man, that guy's going to rock as soon as you talk to him. No. You know something? I'm going to change this in my life. I've been cussing like crazy forever. It always kills me. I always love people who cuss. It's my favorite people. And I'm going to change that. And they want to change it bad. But the minute a little something happens, you know, it just blows out of them. I want to change that. I got I to gotta change that. You ain't going to change that. And not until the Holy Spirit inside you starts motivating you. And when your tongue goes to talk, you go, he stops you. I mean, it is an incredible way to live your life. The Holy Spirit is the internal motivator, and we got to have it. You got to have it. You've got to start to know the voice of the Holy Spirit within you and know how to respond to it. I love it because it's, it's such a cool way to live. So it is this internal motivation, and you can't make it up. You cannot make this up. I've determined, you know, um, I'm not much for animals. I was raised on the farm, and all I've had is bad experience with animals. When I was young, these big draft horses I used to work, I don't know if I told you, but one of those young horses went up and bit me right in the middle of the back. Man, you talk, you talk about something that's still hurting 50 years later. <laughs> Man, I hate horses. I, I can't tell you how bad I hate horses. We'd milk cows. Those stupid cow tails would come around. I don't know if you've ever been in there because they poop on the back and it gets on their tail and then you're milking them and it comes around. It's just the most miserable. I hate cows. I, and I, here's something I've determined. I hate, I hate all animals. And, <laughs> and they know it. I, I'm telling you, we walk around the thing, and there's a little lady. You're supposed to have your dog on a leash, and it's some little white, fluffy, little stupid dog. And, and for some reason, it comes charging across the little park at our bike. Yeah, 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 yeah. I look at that dog, and I'm like praying. Just get about one step closer. And I can hear the little owner lady back there foofy foofy come back he doesn't like you like come on foofy 
They know that I don't like them. And they hit the brakes right there. I've determined that with kids. Kids are okay, a little higher up the ladder. But, but they know, kids know if you're conning them. I mean, it is, I don't know how, it's inherent in them. They know whether you care for them or don't care for them. Trust me, that's the way it is in a spiritual life. The Holy Spirit, when it's flowing through you, people know it's genuine. People know it's genuine. You cannot hide that. That's why you need the operation of the Spirit so alive, so aware, because it brings about a genuineness. There's some really cool um, scriptures here I have. Well, a couple. In Romans 12, 8, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. In other words, it's saying, don't fake it. As a matter of fact, you can't fake it. People know it. People know if you're using them. Don't you know that when people are using you? If you go in to buy something and that guy's working you over, you, you know. You know you're just being used, right? Don't fake it. Don't act like, oh, yeah, buddy, you're the greatest. You need this. You just want me to sell that. You could care less, right? You can't be that way with Christianity. Don't fake it. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to be alive in your life. Here's what I love about, kind of love about God, is that it's this combination with God. It's a partnership. It's a partnership of the Holy Spirit doing his job and you doing your job. So all the work's been done. The Holy Spirit's been working on whoever you're talking to or he's been working on you to change something in your life. He's doing all this work and stuff like that. But it becomes a partnership. You either need to tell or you need to disciple. It's this coolest thing. That's what, God is awesome. I keep thinking, God, why would you set it up this way? We are so flawed. We are so powerless. We are such wimps. We are all of those things. I could go on of all the things I am. We're quitters. We're, why would you put any dependence on me to represent you in any way? Yet he did. And as a matter of fact, he doesn't pull many bones about it. <laughs> he, it's like my football coach used to yell at me. You know, I go, hey man, that guy was like 6'5", 250 pounds. I had no chance of blocking him. I'm 135 pounds. He, my my coach played for the Chicago Bears. He's a linebacker. He grabbed my helmet. I don't want excuses. I want results. <laughs> In other words, I don't want to hear about that stuff. I believe sometimes God needs to speak to us that way. Look, we, we got a million reasons that we can't pull it off. There's a million of them. But you know what? God says, I don't want to hear that stuff. You got the Holy Spirit in you. You got more than you need to get the job done. That's why we're in partnership. We get to, think of, I mean, this is such an incredible concept that blows me away. Right now, right now, you and God are in partnership doing the work God wants you to do probably for all eternity. Right now, some people say, what am I going to do in heaven? It's going to be so boring. You're in partnership with God right now doing exactly what he wants you to do. What are you going to do in heaven? 
God's going to be in partnership with us and we're going to be doing what he wants us to do. We're just starting early. Isn't it? Doesn't that like fire up anybody? Nobody? Okay, well, <laughs> I'm like all over that. I'm getting to jump on the whole gig. I probably shouldn't have preached this because then you guys will get some and you'll get more rewards than me. And uh, That's probably wrong to actually say that out loud, huh? Uh, <laughs> it's an incredible concept. We're in partnership with God. The problem is, is that like everything else, the Holy Spirit's doing his work. We have to get a spiritual work ethic. I've heard this so many times. Oh, you need to get a work ethic. The younger generation has no work ethic. They have no work ethic because they're not motivated. That's the only reason they don't have a work ethic. They're no different than we were. I had to be the laziest kid in the world. I had to have been. Nobody today could be lazier than I was. My dad always said, they just spelled work wrong. They spelled it P-L-A-Y. That's all you know. I mean, <laughs> I never got motivated. I don't think till. I got out of college. I was just playing sports. It was just, that's all I was motivated to do. I didn't care about anything. There was no motivation. The problem is, there's no motivation. That's what brings around work ethic. That's what brings about love for what you do, is when you're motivated. I'm telling you, get married and have a couple of kids. You get motivated to go to work every day. <laughs> it's the way it is. Spiritually, why aren't you, why don't we? I include me in this. Why don't we witness? Why don't we live a life that displays God? We are motivated. Motivation can only come when the Holy Spirit inside of us empowers us to be who God wants us to be. Isn't that a cool thought? I, I don't know. I loved it. But it was late at night. Ron had just called, so I don't know. <laughs> I was even thinking about this. When you talk about motivation, the scripture clearly says this. No one comes to the Father unless what? The Spirit draws him. What's the motivation for you even being a Christian? The Holy Spirit motivated that to happen. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you I'm going to be done. <laughs> and I want to say there's the two parts. There's the telling but there's the discipleship part of this also. Because it's more than that. What I discovered is a lot of people will raise their hand and come up and say, I want Christ in my life, and we'll start out okay. But unless somebody helps them, the odds of them making it are really tough. It's like the little birds that are above my little um, porch thing up there. My wife and that, those birds got into it this spring because she didn't want that little bird nest right in front of the door. And she'd take that broom and whack that thing out. They must have worked all night. I don't know. Eight, ten hours straight. In the morning, they'd be like, pretty good sized nest there. She'd knock that baby out of there. Next day, just back there again. They went on at it for about a month. And I think those birds finally got discouraged a little bit. That plus she started swinging at the birds with the broom. But those two things probably did them in. <laughs> it was a relentless a relentless thing. That's how things happen. People can say, I want to serve God. I want to be a Christ follower, which is great. It's the beginning point. But somebody, guess who that somebody is, right? What's our goal? We need to feed and build. That's our mission, feed and build. Somebody has to come along there and make it happen for them. Hey, Don, you just gave your life to Christ. That's awesome. 
you know. Um, I'm sure Jen's appreciative. Um, Dan's going to go, yeah, it's great, it's great, it's great. But he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know God really yet. He knows he's touched his heart. He knows his sins have been forgiven. That's probably what he knows. Who's going to come along down and help him? He needs somebody, doesn't he? That's our job. That's feed, feed, feed. Help him get along. Find someone to help. Find someone to help in some way. Get him in a discipleship program. Hey, Don, come on over to my house. I know this, I know this might scare the bejimis out of some of you. Is that a word out here, bejimis? <laughs> this might scare the bejeebies out of someone. I don't even know what they are, but I've always been told they've been bad. <laughs> they should be out of you. Uh, uh, but somebody, somebody needs to come along and say, hey, Don, come on over to my house. You want to come over to my house on Tuesday? Well, we can start talking. We can start doing some stuff. I'm telling you, I was reluctant to do this because I've been preaching and teaching a lot my whole life. And when I came here, um, one of the girls, Samantha, came and said, hey, Bob, I'd like to do a Bible study. You know my response, one person, I'm not doing no Bible study. Of course, then, guess who inside me started tapping a little bit on my little brain. The Holy Spirit started going, so what are you here for? It's definitely not to put a new uh, assistance program into the state of New Mexico. I definitely could have. That's not That can't be the reason I'm here. Samantha, okay. Okay, okay, I hear you. <laughs> a couple of weeks when I calm down. Or a month. Give me a month. Give me a month and a half. <laughs> How about next week? And of course, my wife is like all over this. She loves it. I'll set it up. I'll invite them all over. Guess what? We'll feed them. Okay. <laughs> Followed by Talia started coming. And then Penny brought her boyfriend, or friend, not boyfriend, I shouldn't say that, just friend. And Penny went back to college, but Michael keeps coming. And Joshua I met down at the Chavez Center. Hmm. And then a, a guy who was raised in the Catholic Church in Michigan, he said, can I come? Mm. 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 Okay. Honey, how much is this costing me to feed these people every week? <laughs> and then when I got over that, then Talia says, well, I'll bring food. Ugh, that's another reason I could have canceled it. But <laughs> Talia's a nutritionist, if you want to know. And, and so she's really helped me out. She brought me chicken cacciatore with extra cheese and breadsticks. Thank you, Tals. <laughs> ah, it's all good for you. Um, <laughs> The reason I say this, guys, is because based on the stats and stuff, we're not leaving a legacy for our kids, for the next generation. I'm convinced if they could see God, if they could really get a glimpse of God through you, they would love to know him. They would love to be part of it. For you guys that go, well, I don't know if I should make my kids come to church. Make them come. Why? It starts building a heritage in them. They see in you what? I, and, and don't just come to come. What do they see in you? 
they see, gosh, there's something inside him. He loves to go to church. He loves to be around other people that believe the same way as he does. You know what? He's changing things in his life. My dad changed things in his life. What's that tell me? They want to be involved. They want that in their life. It's what people want. There are customers. They just don't know they want it yet. That's our job. How? By telling them and by demonstrating it in our lives. We have to do that. Don't get lazy this summer. Don't kick back. This is the funnest part. Summer should be our best time of the year because, like, you got extra time. We got a lot more family time. If you don't talk to your family, no one's going to see you. If you don't live a life that's honorable, they won't see that. We're, in mo we're motivated inside by the Holy Spirit being expressed through our lives. I got, an, uh, got a little assignment because we owe this to the next generation. So I put down an assignment for you. and I want you to think about this this week. But I don't want you to think of it as an aspect of I'm going to make a decision. Here's what I want you to, to ponder. This week, intentionally, on your part, and I'm going to add this via the Holy Spirit's leading, motivation in your life, you're going to demonstrate God's love to somebody. Ponder that for a minute. This week, intentionally, you're going to look for the opportunity because here's what I know. The Holy Spirit has been itching inside of you for a partnership to motivate you to do something. There's somebody out there who needs to hear or somebody needs to see within you God. They need it. It's our job to make that happen. It's not a lazy summer. It's an exciting summer. Listen for the Holy Spirit within you. Sense him. And it motivates you. And then you'll, your actions will just follow that naturally. It's inside, that internal motivation. It's not an external $1 bill. It's the love of God just blasting out of you. That makes you contagious. That makes people want to be around you. That makes people want to listen to you. Because you're positive, you're joyful, there's a happiness in you. All the things that come from the Holy Spirit being alive in your life. Is that an awesome thing?